0: All right, Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 26. I'm going to talk to you tonight about this thought. I'm going to talk to you about the thought of a God designed life. A God designed life. I started to title this A God Made Man. How to be a God-made man. Not just male when I say man, but man in mankind as God made us. How to be a God-made man or live a God-designed life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. There's a lot of depth in there that we're not going to, go into, because that's not my purpose for tonight, but, but the word are there, O-U-R, is very uh, significant when it comes to theology and understanding the triune nature of the Godhead, when God says, let us make man in our image, that Elohim is, is the wording there Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, I want you to understand here what he just said. He said, let us make man in our image, and then let us let man have dominion over the things of this earth. That's the plan of the Lord, and that is uh, God's plan for our lives. And so, verse 27, so God created man... In His own image. In the image of God, He created Him. Male and female, He created them. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb, every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now let's carry on into chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This, verse 4, is the history of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth. And before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now listen. One more, and the Lord God formed man of the dust, of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, or a living soul. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, you have the details of the creation story. In Genesis chapter 2, you kind of have the summary now that is pulled together and begins to to press the story forward. And and, and this is significant that we understand this. There are details in the Word of God that, that are not put in the Word of God, I should say. Because they are not details that we need to know. The Bible has very specific purposes. The Bible is not just a history book. First of all, you need to understand that. People get all hung up on certain things because there are not absolute full details about certain issues within the Bible. The Bible is not a history book. It, it contains history. It holds the whole history. But it is the story of man and God's relationship to man and man's fall and God's restoration of relationship with man through Jesus Christ, His Son. And so the purpose that we find in the Word is God speaks to us the details of the world He creates for the man that He makes, the people that He makes to populate this earth tells the story of the fall tells the story then of God's children, tells the story of the Savior coming and redeeming and in the end tells the story of all things being brought back and restored unto original intent from God. And so the this story, we find what it should look like to live a God-designed life. A God-made life. We find this from the very beginning, from the very first man and woman. We find that they were made in the image of man. Now, in the image of God. Now, we we understand in the story as as we uh, move forward, it it goes on, and I didn't read it, verses 8, we might get into it a little bit as they move on down, that God created Adam, and then as probably all of you know, and those of you that are watching would know, He said it's not good for this man to be alone, and so He had him put in to sleep had him go to sleep and took out of his body out of that rib, and fashioned a woman Eve and and when he, he brought her to Adam he said this is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh his helper his his one that walks with him that moves with him so that two the two now have become one and they fulfill the plan of God for their life and so so we find this story of Right off the bat in the book of Genesis. God wants us to know something. There's a reason the story begins as it does. There's a reason the story begins at the creation of the earth. And then the man and the woman that God made to place and have dominion over the things of this earth. Because God wants us to realize His intentions. His intentions, His plan, His purpose for mankind. We are made in His image. We are made to have dominion. We are made to walk with Him. We are made to walk in unity and harmony with one another, fulfilling the plans of God. And it is only because of sin... Because of the fallen nature that comes in as man and woman fall in the garden. They partake of the forbidden fruit. They fail in the garden. They are pressed out of the garden so that they would not have to live forever in their fallen state. But they could await the Redeemer to come, Jesus Christ, that would redeem them uh, from their sin and bring back their, uh, their initial purpose. Okay, so, so this is the story, but, but before the fall, we find God's plan for man. God has designed every one of us, and I'm just going to give you a few things tonight that hit my mind as I was studying this and thinking about this idea of a God-designed plan. Life. And I'm just going to jump into this. I've got about four points just to hit with you and a few other statements I'm just going to share with you tonight and hopefully just give you some food for thought about how does your life line up with God's design? How is your life lining up with God's design? And we're going to learn this from Adam and Eve. Here's the first thing that I want to say to you tonight about this God designed life. If we are going to live a God-designed life, if we are going to live a God-made life. We're going to live in the way God has designed us to live. Now, we know that that we can only do this, live this life by coming unto Christ. That's that's got to be first and foremost. So, I'll say that right now at the beginning, at the outset, so so that that doesn't get confused in any way. The only way we can live a God-designed life in this world is by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because otherwise we live in a fallen nature and we can never fulfill the plans of God. But when we have made Christ our Savior, when we have accepted Him as our Savior, accepted His sacrifice for sin into our lives, He is now Lord of Lords, King of Kings in our lives. Once we have done that, our life changes. And now we are made in, back into that original intent that our life now can be designed by God, How many of you want to have a God-designed life? You want to live a life like God designed you to live. Here's the first thing that you need to do. And you might just want to write these down. Because you might really have to think a little bit about these. And I encourage you to do this. Number one. A God-designed life. You will structure your life around encounters with God. A God-designed life is a life that is structured around. Around the encounters with God. God designed life is structured around encounters with God. You, you, need to, you need to recognize that. If you will think with me of Adam and Eve. It goes on in, 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 in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. Then, then God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And He put the man whom He formed. And, and then He made all the trees grow. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. A river went out, watered everything, broke into the floor. We We know that. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Verse 16 of chapter 2, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And then, verse 18, I already mentioned this to you. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable. And the Lord God caused a sleep to fall on Adam. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. And out of that rib he, he made into a woman and he brought her unto the man. Adam said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She will be called, be called woman. Now, he goes on and he says that they were both naked and, and, and the man and his wife and they were not ashamed. And in chapter 3 we learn that they also walked with God at certain times in the cool of the day. Now, just I wanted to read that real quickly. Just to catch you up on what life would have looked like a little bit for Adam and Eve. So what we begin to find is we begin to find that Adam and Eve, their life is structured around encounters with God. I want you, I want you to notice that. Their, their life is structured with that. Starting with Adam, his life is structured around these encounters with God. So God takes him... And, and he, he places him in this garden, and he instructs him what he can eat and what he can't eat. He instructs him on what he is to be doing, and he brings before him the animals. And then he, he, he puts him into a deep sleep, and he makes for him, fashions for him, Eve, a helpmate. It's what the word would say. One comparable to Him. That would walk with Him. And then they together would walk with God in the cool of the day. So do you see the concept that their lives, when they are designed by God, are structured around encounters with God? God is a very integral part of their day-to-day life. Encountering God Gives them strength to live the life God has given them. Walking with God. Communing with God. It it becomes their norm. It is their existence. It it structures their life. Their instruction comes from the words of God. How many many see that? See, when, when we... In, in, in our fallen nature, when we move away and we structure our life around things other than God and encounters with God, we then forfeit the right to live a God-designed life. If our life is structured around everything in our world other than encounters with God, we will not be able to live that full life God expects us to live and made us to live. We need to come back to this concept in Christ. We need to learn to structure our life around encounters with God. Amen. There's many ways we encounter God today. We may not be able to, He doesn't come down and maybe walk with us. That'd be great in the cool of the day because that was a physical coming down and walking um, with them. Someday we'll get that, that opportunity. But the Word tells us that He is in us. He's with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Christ is ours. And so we walk with Him. And so this is why prayer is so important. Because prayer is communication with God. Prayer is a way that you structure your life around encounters with God. It's just, this is why I feel sorry for people who claim to be believers that that diminish, mock, and act like encounters with God are not for us today. Encounters with God was from the very beginning And was God's initial plan of how He would operate with man. People that say, well, God doesn't speak to us today. Sure He does. His plan has been to speak with man from the very beginning. Amen. Well, we don't don't walk by feeling. No, we don't. We don't walk by feeling faith not by sight we don't go by feelings emotions can de- can deceive us but god does move and encounter us in ways that our emotions get involved this is how he structures our life this is how he leads us this is how he guides us this is how the holy spirit of god points us unto the father points us unto christ Christ teaches us in all things. It's an encounter with God that structures our life. They, they would walk with God in the cool of the day. So you and I need to have times in our life that we walk with God in prayer, and praise, in the Word. That we walk with God in communion. Do you know, man, in the Old Testament, men and women walked with God. They had encounters with God that structured their life. Look at people like Abraham. Do you think Abraham had an encounter with God that structured his life? Absolutely. In Ur of the Chaldees, when God speaks to him and says, Abraham, Abram, at that time, I want you to get your family together. Your dad brought you this far, but this isn't where I intended you to stay. I want you to gather your family, and I want you to go to a land where I'm going to send you. You've not been there, but I'm going to show you, and everywhere you go, your feet are going to be blessed. Your life is going to be blessed. And Abram heard God and walked with God, and his entire life was structured around that encounter. Amen. What about Moses? Moses had an encounter with God on the backside of a desert. He saw a burning bush. The angel calls out to him out of that bush and says, Take off your sandals because you're on holy ground gives him his assignment, has an encounter with God that would propel him for the remainder of his life. His life would forevermore be structured around encounters with God. He would go up on the mountain as he was leading the children of Israel out of uh, Egyptian bondage and in the wilderness. He would go up on the mountain and encounter God and come down with the law that would structure an entire nation's life even to this very day. Amen. An encounter with God structures man's life, a God-designed life. Look at Elijah. We could just keep going on. You you, you look at David. Had an encounter with God that would structure his life. Elijah would have encounters with God that would structure. God would say, go tell them it's not going to rain. And Elijah would go prophesy that it wasn't going to rain. And for three and a half years, it did not rain. Until God said to him again, now go tell them it's going to rain. We know the story. He goes up on the mountain, calls fire down, rain comes down. His life was structured around encounters with God. So what does that do for us today? Okay, that's great. That's Old Testament. But what about us in this new covenant era? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That means we now encounter God the Father through Christ the Son. Amen. And that encounter in Christ and through Christ structures our entire life. Amen. How many of you have a testimony here tonight or maybe even online that an encounter with Christ when he became your Savior has structured your entire life now? Your life now is identified as a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, one who has made Christ their Savior. That encounter structures your life. Therefore, it is not our life anymore, but it is the life that Christ lives in us. Because that encounter now has structured our life. You find that in the life of Paul. You find Peter. You find Lazarus. He was four days dead. When Jesus comes and calls him out of the grave, his life, the remainder of his life was structured around an encounter with Christ. Amen. So a God-designed life, first and foremost, is structured around encounters with God. So always be looking and ready for an encounter with God. Because then that's where you will find the structure of your life. Never settle for anything less than encounter moments with God. How many of you have ever noticed that that if you look back in your life through hard times, through good times, you made it through, you walked through, you look back, and you find encounters with the Lord that carried you through those moments? Because they structure our life. So that's number one, a God-designed life is a life that is structured around encounters with God. Number two, a God-designed life is a life that builds our faith. Through dependence upon God. So not only do encounters with God. Structure our life. But then. Our faith is built. On learning to depend upon God. A God designed life. Is a life. that Where we build our faith. Through dependence. On the Lord. There, do you know there really is no other way. To build your faith. Than by depending upon the Lord. Amen. And and this this is what a God designed life is intended to look like. That, That is a life that is growing in faith. And the only way you grow in faith is to learn to depend completely upon the Lord. Amen. You don't grow in faith when you think you can do things on your own, you grow in faith. When you realize, I can't do this, it's only by depending on the Lord that I can do this. In in Adam and Eve, in Adam in particular, we find that he grew when he rested and was at sleep in the Lord. And the Lord takes out of his body and fashions for him the greatest thing that would be brought into his life. He had to depend upon God. His faith could grow then. How I many I mean, think your faith might grow a little bit if you went to sleep and then when you woke up, you kind of felt something funny in your side a little bit, even though it was already put back together, and then all of a sudden, here comes this beautiful creature that walks up beside you that is now going to be, you know, I I I don't remember which preacher it was, but I, I remember hearing a preacher years and years ago that said, that took that scripture and said, and when he presented her to Adam, he said, whoa, man, And that's where he came out with woman. I don't, you know, that that probably isn't a real biblical concept. Amen. It was good preaching material. Amen. He His faith would grow as he learned to depend upon God. Can you rest in God depending that he's going to give you what you need when you awaken him? That's that's the essence of faith. When I can rest in Him. When I can just depend on Him that while I'm resting, while I'm sleeping, when I can't do it for myself, it's not good for Adam to be alone, but Adam couldn't change that on his own. But he could rest in God and know that when he awoke, God would have taken care of his need. Can Can I tell you that's the essence of faith. A God-designed life is a life that, that faith is built when you learn to depend upon God. So what does that mean for us? That means for us, this is how we apply that in Christ today. We rest in the finished work of Christ, the blood sacrifice, the final sacrifice. We rest in that knowing that when we could not do it on our own, God took care of it for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And a God-designed life, faith will build from that point. And then every moment forward that we learn to depend upon Christ, faith grows. And our life becomes more like God intended it to be. Do you know God designed us to have a need to depend upon Him? And so the more we find the ways to depend upon Him, the more we grow into our design. Amen. I mean, let me say that again, because maybe we might have we missed that. God designed every one of us. He created every one of us to need Him. Amen. We are created to need Him. There's that God-sized hole in every one of our lives that nothing else will fill. Nothing else can fulfill. It would be only God. We were made to need Him. And the more we learn to rely upon Him and depend upon Him and depend upon Christ and rely upon Christ in this life, the more our life begins to look like what God intended it to be. Until we come to the point that we are so dependent upon Him that our life, we can say like Paul does, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. The more we learn to depend upon the Lord in faith, the closer we become to having the testimony of Enoch. One of the greatest testimonies in scripture where the Bible says of Enoch, one day he walked with God and was not. Amen. He had this testimony that he pleased God. He he leaned upon God. He followed Him. He relied upon Him. He had faith in God. I think it was E. V. Hill that I heard preach one time and 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 said if, if that's who if my mind is thinking right. And he said, Enoch walked so close with God that one day while out walking with God, God just said, you know what, we're closer to my home than yours. Why don't you just come on home with me? See, when we live our life in such a way that we are relying upon God completely, that we are dependent upon Christ for every breath that we take, for every need that we have, for every moment that we live, when we live that way, we are living a God-designed life. We're not relying upon man. We're not relying upon our next paycheck. We're not relying upon another person to do for us something that we need. When we learn to be dependent upon Christ and the Father through Christ Jesus to the completeness of our life, that we can trust Him with anything, that if He says go, we go. If He says stop, we stop. If He says believe for a miracle, we believe for a miracle. If He says declare a miracle, we declare. When we live our life that way, We are living a God-designed life. And if we are not living that way, we are not living up to our God-designed potential. Amen. If your dreams and your visions do not take God to complete them, then you have shot far too low. You have aimed way too low. Because God designed us to need Him. To bring about fulfillment in our life. If you're finding fulfillment in everything but God, you're not living a God-designed life. Amen. So, a God-designed life structures life around encounters with God, builds faith through learning to depend upon God. And number three, a God-designed life is a life that our thoughts are captured with His glory. God-designed life, your thoughts are captured by God's glory. I want you to think with me of Adam and Eve. Think of the marvel, the wonder. Think of this world at the beginning. Think of the first time Adam laid his eyes on God's creation. Think of the first time Eve. And Adam would have walked along together and talked about this that God had created. The trees, the flowers, the herbs of the field, the, the waters and the oceans, the animals that, that would be wandering around. Just think of the wonder that they had. Think, think that their thoughts were captured by God's glory. Now, something was going to get in the way The enemy was going to come and deceive them. But what he would do is he would deceive them in their thoughts first. Because a God designed life is a life that our thoughts are captured by the glory of God. How many of you can look back in times of your life and think if, if my mind would have stayed, if my thoughts would have stayed upon the wonder and glory and awesomeness of God and who He is and what He's done in my life, if my thoughts would have stayed there, I would have never messed up the way I messed up. Amen. Amen. If, if my thoughts had been captured by His glory. If I, if I would have kept my mind stayed upon the wonder of God, I would not have fallen into the deception of the enemy. A God-designed life is a life that our thoughts are captured by God's glory. The, to, the, where we are aware of God's glory in our surroundings and in all of creation. Amen. Amen. Do you know we get so distracted and we get so worked up about things in this world that we forget to acknowledge and be aware of the glory of God all around us? I was talking to Becky earlier. I called her when we had saw the post on Facebook, and I was just talking to her and, and uh, about the fact that you know God's hand was upon her. That's the glory of God. God's glory protects us from things that we're not even aware of. But when we are aware that God is on our side and His glory is great and our minds are captured by that, then we can live a God-designed life. It's when we take our thoughts off of God, off of the things of God, the blessings of God, the goodness of God, and we put them on the things of the world, the things of our own life, the worries of this world, all that's in the world. First John tells us, John's writing about it. He said all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And when, we, when our mind is captivated by those things, we don't live that God designed life. But when our mind stays upon the Lord and His glory, when we are focused upon how good God is, we live a life that God intends us to live. Adam and Eve would have been amazed as God would walk with them, show them, and, and reveal to them new things on a daily basis. Moses would say, Lord, show me your glory when our minds are upon him. Colossians 3 tells us to set our minds on things above. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, you can go read it. Set our minds on things above. Amen. Keep your mind there. Philippians 4 and 8, think on these things. Let's go over there. I'd quote them to you, but I might I might leave off a couple of them. So we'll just we'll just read it together. Go over with me to Philippians chapter four and verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report. If there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy. Meditate, think on these things. Let your mind, your thoughts be captivated by the good things of God. Amen. You know, it's just good practical truth. What happens when our minds are on the wicked things of this world? Or the foolish things of this world? Or the fearful things of this world? Or the worrisome things of this world. We don't live as God designed us to live. Amen. We're facing that right now. We've got a pandemic going on. So you know what? We've got a choice to make. We can, we can choose to live our life watching the news every five minutes and them telling us how many new people have have gotten the virus. And then we can argue about, well, is that just because we're testing more people or is it because the virus is, and And we can talk about how many beds are being used in intensive care units, how, how, many, how many rooms are available in the hospital, what's the proper distance. We can keep our minds on all that stuff 24 hours a day and we'll never live the life God designed us to live I'm not saying be ignorant of those things I'm not saying just go around foolishly not, not paying any attention to that but what I'm saying is make a choice to live your life looking at the goodness of God letting your thoughts be captured by the glory of God God is greater than a virus God is greater than our problems God is greater than our issues and He can give us wisdom He can give us knowledge and we can live in joy and and peace, and truth, and the Holy Ghost, even in the midst of a pandemic, if our minds will be captured by the glory of God. We can live a God-designed life in any moment in time, in any moment in history, in any time of our life, if we let our thoughts be captured. The Bible says, to take every thought captive. Amen. Place them into the hands of the Lord. And the fourth thing. A God designed life. Is a life defined. By the word. A life defined. By the word. So it is a life structured by encounters. It is a life. Where faith is built. Learning to depend solely upon God. A life. That our thoughts are captured by the glory of God. And it is a life that is defined by the word of God. Adam and Eve had no life other than the life God defined for them. Amen. And do you know when they messed up? When they let the enemy define their life for them instead of God. Amen. Cuz what the enemy say? First he said it to Eve. He said, "Did God really say that you can't eat of this tree?" He just doesn't want you to be like him. Look at the fruit of this tree. This isn't bad for you. And Eve gives in, takes the bite, gives it to Adam. And this isn't casting blame on Eve and not on Adam, because it was to Adam, God said. You can eat of any tree of the field, but not the one. So Adam was not living up to his role when he comes along and says, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's take it. Let's let the enemy define our life instead of God. How many times have we allowed the world and the enemy to define our lives rather than the Word of God? Amen. See, the Bible says, the Word says we're more than conquerors. The Word says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The Word says God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. The Word tells us, Philippians 4 and 19, the Word tells us that my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory. Amen. We, We are... 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 tells us that there is no temptation that has taken us, but such as is common to man. And with every temptation, God will make a way of escape. If we will define our lives by the Word of God, if we will define our lives by what God has said, not by what the world has said, we will live God-designed lives. Jesus, when the Satan tempted Him in the wilderness... Jesus said at the first temptation, Jesus said, when when He said, Turn these stones to bread, you're hungry. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. Matthew 4 and 4. But by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Let your life be defined by God's Word. Amen. There's a Prophet in the Old Testament that has always intrigued me. And, it, and several of them have, but I've always been intrigued by Jeremiah. Jeremiah possibly had one of the worst assignments that a man could be given by God. I mean, he 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 was a prophet of God that had to always prophesy doom. Every prophecy he would give, they would hate him for it. They would throw him in a pit. Every person that he would prophesy about, they would want to kill him. They would want to do bad things to him. In fact, he he wrote not only the book of Jeremiah, but then he wrote the book of Lamentations. How would you like to be in the Bible, and you're the one that wrote the book of Lamentations, the woes, woes, all of the woes, okay? Even though in that book of Lamentations is one of the greatest scriptures He says, mercies are new every morning, and great is His faithfulness. Amen. But Jeremiah, let me me share with you. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah said, Lord, God, behold, I can't speak. I'm just a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. The Lord touched my mouth, and He said, I have put my words in your mouth. I have have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. This, this prophet of God that was going to face difficulties in his life lived a God-designed life from the time he was born to the time that he would die. And it didn't always look pretty, but his life was structured around encounters with God. His life was built, his faith was built learning to depend solely upon God. His thoughts were captured by God's glory and God's blessing. And his life was defined by God's word. And even though his assignment wasn't pretty, his obedience was rewarded. And in my mind, Jeremiah was probably one of the greatest prophets ever given because he endured and he held on to God's Word. It would be Jeremiah that would say, I decided I wasn't going to speak anymore for you, Lord, but your Word was like a fire that was shut up in my bones. It, it, it would be Jeremiah that would pin those great scriptures that we, we all carry around in some place on a bookmark or on a, on a necklace or on a bracelet somewhere that I, my plans for you, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good and not evil. He, he, he would walk through this life designed by God. You know what it tells me? It tells me anything God has prepared for me to accomplish. If my life is designed by Him, I can accomplish His plan. Now let me give you these last few things and then we'll be done for tonight. A God-designed life, every assignment given to you carries sufficient provision to accomplish it. If if your life is God-designed, every assignment given to you will be accompanied by sufficient provision to accomplish it. That means if God directs it, God will provide for it. And every believer, every believer has an assignment on this earth. Hmm. So, I wrote this down. So, if if we will discover our provision, we will probably recognize our next assignment. If we will learn to see what God has provided for us, we will probably find an assignment God has for us. Because whatever God provides for us, He wants us to use on an assignment He has for us. If our life is designed by Him. So, if I'm going through a struggle and a battle and I walk through it, and I overcome, and, and I've got my faith has grown, that provision of faith is for an assignment God has for me to walk in. Amen. If God blesses me with finances, it is because there is an assignment that God is going to give me that's going to cause me to want to give those finances. God provides, and God assigns. a God designed life. A God-designed life is never static. It is ever-changing. We are not, we, we, our lives are not chaotic when they are designed by God. They are ordered of the Lord. How many of you have ever felt like your life was chaotic? Amen. Amen. Anybody ever felt the chaos of life? Well, a God-designed life is not chaotic. It's ordered of the Lord. Sometimes it just doesn't seem like it in the moment. But God is faithful. And here's what he's given us. And I'll close with this. Here's here's what he's given to every God designed life. Every person that will live for him. Here's what he's given us. He's given us eyes to see. Ears to hear. Hearts to believe. Strength to accomplish. Everything needed to accomplish God's plan, He has given to you. He's given you eyes to see by faith. Ears to hear the word of God. He's given you hearts to believe in God. And He's given you strength to accomplish whatever it is that is in front of you. Because your life, Has been designed by God. Amen. Adam and Eve. Before that fall. The best of all of us. First creation. That first Adam. First creation. Of men as we are. Their lives were designed by God. Fully capable to see, hear, believe, and strength to accomplish. As long as they stayed in his design. Amen. So I hope you and I will determine that we're going to structure our lives around encounters. That that we are going to build our faith through learning to depend upon him. We're going to capture our thoughts with his glory. And we're going to define our lives by his word. And we're going to walk from assignment to assignment. Fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Stand to your feet with me all over this house. There's really no more time to just keep wandering around, floating around from one worldly mess to the next. Because God has a plan for us to fulfill. And it's time that we focus upon Him.